0: Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the government's new Firearms Control Bill faces criticism for not doing enough. There's an improvement, there's a progress, there's something in that uh, C-21 bill that has to be uh, acknowledged, uh, welcome. However, there seems to be some limitation in the will of the government to act more strongly. Uh, act uh, to the level of the necessity. COVID-19 restrictions at the border are extended amid outcry over long waits for travel. Public health measures may be part of the reason why we have slowness at the airports and we're looking at those but there are other jurisdictions that have volume issues that do not have any public health measures. In Europe, some countries, some airports don't have public health measures, yet they are facing similar, or if not worse, delays. And British Columbia will become the first province to decriminalize possession of small amounts of illicit drugs for personal use. As of January 31st, 2023, adults 18 and over in British Columbia We'll no longer be subject to criminal charges for the possession of up to 2.5 grams of certain illegal drugs for personal use, and the drugs will not be confiscated. It's Wednesday, June the 1st. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by longtime political writer and broadcaster Dan Legere. Good morning, Dan. Hi, Mark. Let's start by talking about uh, the gun control legislation that was introduced by the Liberals and the reaction to it. Uh, there are people weighing in with their thoughts. And in fact, Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, in the United States said that Canada is leaving the door open to a Russian invasion if if Canadians are not allowed to be armed to defend themselves. Um, that That reaction has been... Uh, obviously uh, has generated a lot of attention on social media, uh, but there are Canadian politicians, including Conservative leadership candidates, who are weighing in on this and others. So what do you make of of the response to this piece of legislation?
1: Well, I think a lot of it is is predictable, Mark. Uh, You know, people's views on things like handguns and uh, assault weapons and things like that don't really change very much. I don't think they have over time. But I do think that the sort of Canadian consensus on this is towards stricter gun control at all levels while still trying to accommodate uh, people who live in rural areas, uh, hunters and others who have a legitimate interest in owning firearms. Uh, But to allow uh, firearms cults of the sort that have arisen in the United States. I mean, Marjorie Taylor Greene's idiotic uh, statements can be safely ignored. No one cares what she says in Canada, even on the right. But I do think that um, uh, there will be a predictable outcry, obviously, from the pro-gun side. But I think Canadians really do want to stop um this uh this wild dedication to guns this adoration and veneration of firearms uh from taking hold in Canada the way it has in the United States where every every problem seems to have a gun you know answer so um you know uh i don't think the federal liberals with support from the ndp will have any trouble uh, steering any legislative side or, or regulatory side of it through um, and that there could be a fairly predictable battle over whether it's right or wrong.
0: Yeah, and I'm interested in your thoughts on on whether uh, this is an issue of a kind of uh, philosophical leanings, of uh, almost a cultural issue between the two countries, um, because it does seem as though, by and large, uh, the vast majority of Canadians will say, look, I... I don't see the need for, for handguns or assault rifles in everyday life. Um, and and so I'm prepared to to have restrictions imposed on me. My freedom's limited if that means we have a safer society, particularly schools, whereas in the United States, the emphasis seems to be different in a lot of ways. And I know people will say it's not just the opinions of Americans, but also the powerful gun lobby in the United States that that funds political campaigns. But is there any risk that that things could change in Canada, or are are we just not, we just don't think that way in this country?
1: Well, there's always a risk, Mark, I think. I mean, if you look at the way American culture, uh, television, movies, uh, music, uh, visual culture, the way it, um, you know, more or less dominates the landscape in Canada, uh, there's a veneration of guns, uh, you know, even, you know, Cops and Robbers movies, in which the good guys are the cops, they still seem to solve a lot of their problems by shooting somebody at the end of the show, and this goes on and on and on, and, and the Americans, it, it's just gotten out of control, you know, that uh, the idea uh, that somebody can, uh, you know, turn 18 and then go buy uh, the same type of weapons that are used by soldiers, in the field uh you know is is just it's crazy and people in canada don't support that i can't find any poll or or um you know public opinion survey which suggests otherwise uh, but you know it is a complicated issue i mean handguns and and assault rifles that gun crime are only one part of the picture they're part of the overall crime picture you know we do have gangs in canada there is drug, or oh, I'm sorry, gun smuggling that takes place from the United States. Um, you know, uh, legitimate firearms owners with all the proper training and certification and everything, their guns are stolen on a regular basis. This happens right across the country and uh, they're put to illicit use. So um, I, I don't know that, uh, you know, uh, this particular measure or these measures that are. Sp- proposed by the Trudeau government, they're not going to solve the problems of gun crime, but they will fight the problem of gun crime. Uh, But there has to be a larger, uh, more comprehensive approach to it, which, which, you know, takes down the level of domestic violence, for instance. Uh, There should be, you know, always uh, more measures and better measures to deal with suicide prevention. Uh, you know, safety of, of firearms and, and other types of safety always have to be uh, reinforced. So it, it, it's not just one thing. And to attack it as just as if it were the one stroke solution to all the problems, I think, is, is misguided.
0: All right. There's another issue in the news today that that relates to personal freedoms uh, versus the greater good. And that's the travel restrictions, the COVID-19 restrictions at the border the public health agency of canada announced yesterday uh interesting timing it was the day after parliament voted down a conservative motion to revert to pre-pandemic rules for travel but there are going to be some restrictions that will remain in place at canadian airports and at land borders including vaccine mandates and and random covid tests and uh and so on um uh, And so uh, there are people saying this is, we we don't need this anymore, but uh, public health officials obviously feel otherwise.
1: Yeah, and you know, this is just another chapter in this ongoing story that has been with us for the past uh, year or so, Mark. I mean, the the sort of disagreement over how uh, comprehensive measures should be to fight COVID in the longer term. And uh, I know, uh, I mean, you, you'll see it for yourself, Mark, in the grocery stores, Walmart, or wherever you're going about your daily business. The number of masks seems to be shrinking. Um, the people are not as, don't seem to be as concerned about it. Although, you know, there are still massive numbers of cases. The hospitals are still full of people with COVID. People are dying. Um, and, you know, it has not gone away. But it seems like, uh you know, public anxiety about it has receded a fair degree. Um, But, you know, I don't know. It seems to me that uh, you know, the the government, I don't think, is acting just on a whim by keeping these measures in place a little longer. But, uh, and also, I mean, you know, uh, you keep hearing these horror stories about travel, international travel especially. Well, if the plane originates or lands in Canada it has another another country somehow attached to it if it's an international flight and those countries have problems too and there are other problems at airports as well uh, there's there's staffing problems there's re- regulatory issues that are ongoing there's the security there's weapons surveillance and everything like that that is still happening in airports that is leading to these these delays and, and cr- overcrowding in airports, that does have to get sorted out. This is a modern country, and we should be able to conduct air travel in a you know smooth and rational way as much as possible. But um, air travel, I think, has become harder to manage over the years since 9-11, and uh, COVID just added a tremendous layer of complication on top of it which I think only gradually is going to be set aside. So the Conservatives can say, fine, well, let's just go back to the way things were, la-dee-da. But it it isn't really that simple on the ground.
0: All right, finally, Dan, uh, British Columbia next year, early next year, is going to become the first province in Canada to decriminalize possession of small amounts of illicit drugs for personal use. People found to be carrying up to two and a half grams of certain drugs including opioids, cocaine, methamphetamine will not be subject to arrest or charges. the drugs won't be seized. And uh, this comes after the BC government asked the federal government for an exemption to a federal law uh, about this and uh, and and people feel that this is you know they they're obviously divided opinions on this, but but there are a large number of people in, in health advocacy who feel that, that criminalizing the possession of drugs, criminalizing addiction uh, is, is not a, a wise move. But there are still those who feel that, that it's necessary to enforce the law around this. So what are your thoughts?
1: Well, I think uh, the law will be enforced. It's just that there will be an exemption in BC's case to deal with a problem that is it's extreme mark i mean it's six people a day and you know the problem for so many of these overdose deaths and these deaths from tainted uh drug supplies is is the is the, the fact that supply itself is so difficult in the illicit world you can't do anything you know if if in the illegal world it opens up all kinds of, of shortcuts and, and use of other types of dangerous substances, toxic substances, which get involved in, in the drugs. People are still going to be addicted, but there has to be some other way of managing this situation. Otherwise, there's just going to be way more dead people. I mean, the, 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 the coal face in this whole um, issue is in B.C., and the the numbers of people who are dying from various drug-related causes is is really shocking. 10,000 people in B.C. alone since 2016, and it gets worse. So, you know, I don't know what other uh, measures can be taken. Of course, you have to have addiction treatment. You have to have Uh, counseling, there there are all kinds of other social poverty issues that come into it. But I can tell you that exposing people to the crime world in order to get their daily fix is not going to help things. Having Hell's Angels regulating the market is not a better situation than having the civil authority do it. So, um, you know, I, I do think there's going to be a lot of interest around the world in this. Portugal has taken similar steps already, and I think, uh, from what I've read, it's gone quite well and uh, has been quite manageable. But um, these are huge issues in many countries around the world, and and Canada would be probably the largest and most technologically advanced country to try this. But, uh, yeah, something desperate has to happen, or people are still going to keep dying. And I think, uh, you know, it's worth a try to see if it actually helps to ameliorate the, uh, the crisis that exists in B.C.
0: All right. Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. Okay, Mark. That's longtime political writer and broadcaster Dan Legere.
1: Those who currently own and uh, operate handguns safely and store them safely are not at all targeted by this legislation.
0: Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the line, Matt Gurney argues the new gun legislation is Justin Trudeau's Goldilocks moment. Gurney writes, This is a bizarre policy. If handguns pose a threat to the public that must be stopped, you can't let people keep them. If there's no problem with people keeping them, there's no point in stopping them from being imported, bought, or sold. The policy announcement Monday, interpreted literally, implies that the Liberals have concluded that Canadians own exactly the right number of handguns, More would be a problem, and fewer is no benefit. It's Goldilocks, but for pistols instead of porridge. In the National Post, John Iveson argues Doug Ford's peekaboo campaign keeps his rivals stumbling. Iveson writes, There are good reasons why Doug Ford has been kept in a bubble by his advisers. During his infrequent appearances, he has been focused and disciplined spending his time talking about the things he wants to talk about, rather than the narrative of education cuts and health care negligence being peddled by his opponents. That's why all the public polling predicts he is the favorite to secure another majority government on Thursday. But there is enough evidence of cluttered thinking to suggest the campaign could still enter squeaky bum time in its closing stages if the PC leader were to say something outrageous enough. In the Ottawa Sun, Warren Kinsella argues, Doug Ford has a winning formula that Pierre Poilievre lacks. Kinsella writes, Ford and Poilievre may be notionally, nominally, conservatives, but they are very, very different. Playing against type, being kinder, gentler, working with others, making positive personal changes, being factual, avoiding conspiracy theories and wacky policy. All of those things Doug Ford did— and that is why he is going to win big again. And none of those things Pierre Poilievre has done. Instead of showing a kinder, gentler side, Poilievre has gotten more dyspeptic and antagonistic. That is why, when the federal election finally happens, Poilievre, as Conservative Party leader, will lose. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will virtually attend the Liberal caucus meeting and question period. Natural Resources Minister Jonathan Wilkinson will make an announcement at the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade, followed by a question-and-answer session. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will attend the NDP caucus meeting before speaking about a private member's bill. And in Quebec City, Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchet will take part in the unveiling ceremony of the Jacques Parizeau Monument. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, June the 1st. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.